It's kind of an interesting psalm in that I had to break it down into sections because it's, it really wears, it really was wearing on me. It's a tough psalm to grab a hold of because it's so relevant for today. It talks about crying out to God and it talks about a person who has pretty much exhausted everything. They're down, down to the last brain cell or last ounce of strength. And it goes through a description of how they feel. And as I was reading this over and over and trying to study for it and try to make notes, it was just so powerful. And the testimony are in my own life. And when we stand up and teach us that we actually have to live it first to be able to present it to you, hopefully in a way that glorifies God. But it brought up a lot of emotions and a lot of things that have gone on and a lot of things that more importantly, God has done. And God will continue to do in our lives if we continue to pray to him and continue to seek his face and worship him in spirit and in truth. This is an incredible song, and it's in regards to affliction. Do you know anything about affliction? Hmm. I bet you do, right? It's something that causes pain or suffering. I'm sure that we've all been going through this pain and suffering, light affliction, heavy affliction, stores opening, stores closing, jobs opening, jobs closing, COVID, no COVID, mask, no mask. I mean, just on and on and on. Jobs, no jobs. I mean, just constantly for about a year now, right? It's been going on. And so... And that's on top of the irregular, the regular afflictions that we, that we have in our life. And I will say this up front, I think a lot of the afflictions that we go through are self, self-made. But there are those that, that we have no control over. And that we kind of have to go with the flow, if you will. There's some encouraging words in there, though. In Hebrews 13:5, he says, He'll never leave us nor forsake us in the midst of whatever's going on in your life. That's a promise that you can count on in the midst of whatever it is, whatever it is that's going on in your life, whatever's dragging you down. When we start reading these scriptures, these verses, I hope that it resonates with you and I hope you'll let it speak to you. I hope you'll embrace it, not be afraid of it. Because when we get to the latter part of the chapter, it says, but God. (laughs) Oh, baby, I love that, but God. Usually after the words, but God, something great happens. And it certainly does in this psalm. So let's look at the psalm. You're at 102, say amen. I can't hear you. Thank you. You have to play. You have to play the game with me now, okay? So again, this is a psalm. It's a prayer of the afflicted when he is faint and pours out his complaint before the Lord. Like I said, he's exhausted. He's at the end of his rope. And it says these words, Hear my prayer, O Lord, man, and let my cry for help come to you. I want to stop right there just for a few minutes and 
let you chew on that, let you think about that. It says, hear my prayer, O Lord. It's interesting that for someone to hear you, you must speak. I can't hear you if you don't talk to me. You can't hear me if I don't talk to you. And so this line of communication with God is a two-way. Now, we speak to him in our, just in our thoughts and in our verb, you know, as we speak out loud. And he speaks to us in many different ways. But I think that if we don't speak to him, it severs, kind of puts a glitch in the relationship. And we, sometimes we're just unable to hear what he has to say. But this, this person, we know... We don't know who wrote this psalm. Some say David, some say Job, but it really, at this point in time, doesn't really matter because it is so relevant to us today. That's why this has been really a hard uh, um, psalm to convey or to take in. I I hope I can convey it in a way that pleases God and, and ministers to you because, man, it says... For someone to hear, you must speak. And he cries, hear my prayer. Why don't we say that prior to the affliction or prior to the things that are going on? Why do we have to wait until something happens till we go, hear my prayer, O Lord, and let my cry for help come to you? He has always been our help. He has always been there for us. But we seem to wait until the affliction gets so bad or the pain gets so tough or the suffering gets beyond our control that then is when we cry out. And I think that's what happened here. And he addresses God right here. Hear my prayer. And he says, oh Lord. So there is a recognition of who he's talking to, who he's crying out to. Many times when I pray, I I say, Lord, if I have any unconfessed sin, please reveal it to me. I want nothing to hinder this prayer. I probably should be doing that a lot more often, to be honest with you. But when I'm really serious in my own mind or really need something, Lord, if there's any wicked way in me, reveal it so I can repent. I ask for nothing to hinder this prayer. And so I cry out, this man, this person here, and let my cry for help. Question, are you speaking to God? Are you crying out to him for help? See, I think sometimes, this is just my thought, but I think sometimes I I get to this point where I I need help, but, but my want to fix it myself idea or thought kicks in, right? Macho man or whatever, right? I want to kick in and I, Superman. And I don't want to, I don't want to like inconvenience him. I just fix it on my own. Well, I might say, how did that work out for you? <laughs> sometimes not very well, right? Because sometimes we just get ourselves in more trouble, deeper trouble. 
You might say, Lord, I've spent enough time on my own issues with no success. Lord, hear my prayers. You're the only one that can truly help. I've made such a mess of my life, Lord. Help me. I'm crying out to you. Have you ever been in that place where you're just broken, man, and you go, Lord, please hear my cry. Hear my prayer. I've turned to everything I know to do when I should have just turned it over to you. Forgive me, Lord. Hear my prayer. And in verse, number, in verse two, he says, do not hide your face from me in the day of distress. Incline your ear to me in the day when I call. Answer quickly. It's funny here, he uses human terms to be able to des- describe the plea or the cry. He says, Lord, do not hide your face. Lord, don't turn your face on me at this time. Don't turn away from me, Lord. Let me see your face. Don't turn your face from me. Hear my, hear my, incline your ear, Lord. Incline your ear. I want you to hear everything I've got to say, Lord. Lord, I want you to hear, incline your ear down so you don't miss miss an ounce of it. He's pleading, he's crying out to the Lord, hear my prayer. We know the Lord already knows what we need, but sometimes you just got to ask. Sometimes you just got to go, Lord, this is what I need. Please, Lord. It's interesting I just want just a thought. Maybe it's because we need to hear. We know God already knows, but sometimes the fact of the matter is we think we know, but yet we, have, we can just acknowledge him and say, Lord, I need to make it verbal. I need to make it loud. I need to make it so that I can hear what I think I, what I really need. And what I really need may not be what I think I need. It may be what or is what he knows I need. The speaking or the confession of the struggle or affliction that we're going through. The affliction brought us out, of the, out into the open. Then we can deal with it. There's a lot of things that we keep secret. We keep in the little cubby hole of our heart. And we need to bring it out in the open so we can deal with it. That's one of the reasons why we have relationships with other brothers and sisters in Christ. So we build a confidant that we can come and talk to. So that we can love up on each other and pray for each other. And exhort each other not to do the bad things anymore. To change, to be more like Christ. The affliction brought out in the open loses its power when recognized and dealt with. It has no power once you start speaking it. That's why I love giving my testimony. My testimony is really sick. But it's powerful in a sense for those that are just as sick. <laughs> Amen. Amen? You know what I'm talking about. We're all sick, just some sicker than others. <laughs> uh. So we're going to move into verses 3 through 12, or 3 through 11. 
And here, I kind of divided up that this is what this person is going through. And when we read this, I kind of just, kind of just follow along with me. I'm going to read 3 through 11, and then we'll come back and kind of talk about it just a little bit more. So remember, he's saying, don't hide, uh, hear my prayer, O Lord. I'm crying for help. Don't hide your face. Incline your ear. And now he says in verse 3, For my days have been consumed in smoke, and my bones have been scorched like a hearth. My heart has been smitten like grass and has withered away. Indeed, I forget to eat bread because of the loudness of my groaning. My bones cling to my flesh. I resemble a pelican of wilderness. I have become like an owl of the waste places. Verse 7, I lie awake. I have become like a lonely bird on a housetop. My enemies have reproached me all day long. Those who deride me have used my name as a curse. Verse 9, for I have eaten ashes like bread and mingled my drink with weeping because of your indignation and your wrath. For you have lifted me up and cast me away. My days are lengthened, are as a lengthened shadow. And I wither away like grass. In verse 3, it says, I want to back up and just, I want you to kind of try to take this in with me. For my, for my days have been consumed. They've been absorbed in smoke. When I think of that, I think of a smoky room or a smoky fire. When you think of that, it's hard to see. There's no vision. There's, you're being choked out. You're being basically on the road to death putting it lightly. You're unable to see clearly, unable to breathe. Have you ever felt like that? Have you ever felt like the, the afflictions that are coming upon you and you can't even breathe, you're just choked out? You're choked out so much that you can't even see where you're going. You can't see the forest for the trees because the pain is so bad. In verse 4 it says, My heart has been smitten like grass and has withered away. Indeed, I forgot to eat my bread. And he goes on in verse 5. Let me back up just for one second to the last part of 3. And my bones have been scorched like a heath, like a hearth. Picture that. What happens to bones when they get fried? They get brittle. They get dry and they get brittle. They're on the verge of breaking. You ever felt like that? You ever felt like you're just on the verge of breaking? You can't even hold your head up anymore. The weight of the things that are going on are just weighing you down. You're on the verge of breaking. Verse 4, the smitten. My heart has been smitten like grass and has withered away. Deeply affected, smitten, deeply affected. My heart... Even my heart aches. My heart is in pain. You ever had that? Been weighed down and just like, oh Lord, my heart is so heavy. My heart is so heavy. Verse 5 Because of the loudness of my groaning, because of the loudness of my groaning, 
the emotional and the physical pain that this person is going through at this time, the affliction that's going on in their body, not only emotionally but physically. Have you ever been physically or emotionally so tore up? There used to be a saying, tore up from the floor up, that you can't even move, you can't even function. Every step you take is like just tough. In verse 6, it says, I, remember, I resemble a pelican of the, wild, of, of the wild wilderness. I'm sorry. I have become like an owl of the waste places. Extreme loneliness. You ever felt lonely? See, this person is describing everything that he feels in one and one set of, one block of the scriptures here. Or, wow, or is it broken down so that we can all relate to the different ones that we are going through? Hmm. Just a thought I had. Because this is for everybody, right? This is for everybody, past, present, and future. I love how these scriptures speak to us no matter where we are, no matter what timeline that we're here. But the extreme loneliness. You could be in a crowd and you feel like you're the only one there. All these things. My enemies, in verse 8, reproach me. They disapprove of me all day long. They beat me down. How many times have you been beat down? Not only by your friends, but by your loved ones. Verse 9, because of the eaten, uh, for I have eaten ashes. I'm sorry, wrong page. For I have eaten ashes like bread and mingled my drink with wine. Because of your indignation and your wrath, you have lifted me up and cast me away. My days are lengthened like a lengthened shadow. I feel this, I feel this in my heart even as we're talking about it. There is so much pain and sorrow going on at this time that the weight and the heaviness and the responsibility that it comes with that, each of us as individuals and believers in Jesus Christ and witnesses of the testimony that he has given to each and every one of us is a heavy thing. It's a very heavy thing. When it talks about my days are like a lengthened shadow. I don't have a shadow. <laughs> I guess it's going to be rainy weather for the next six months. Oh, no, that was a... Sorry. But we know the shadow is only temporary as the time goes. Our life is but temporary, like a shadow. Time is temporary here. 
But I don't want to leave you in this downtrodden position, right? I don't know about you, but when I read this, I feel like a little beaten up because I take it personal when I read these things and I know that I have felt these things and even sometimes in these days, I still, still feel some of this stuff. And we will because we're not perfected. There's going to be affliction no matter what, wherever we go, whatever, you can't run from it. There's going to be affliction. The question is, how are we going to deal with it? And I'm going to, let me, let me tell you about our God. Let me tell you about the one who takes the affliction. Let me tell you about the one who wants you to give it to him instead of you trying to fix it yourself. Let me tell you about the one who loves you and gave his life for you. Here's what gives me hope. Look with me in verse 12. In verse 12. Remember I said, but you? Here we go. I love this. But you, O Lord, abide forever and your name to all generations. But you, O Lord, there's a recognition of him again. There's a recognition of the one who can set us free from our afflictions. He's the one that can help us walk through our afflictions, holding our head high in victory over these things. But you, O Lord, abide. Abide means to remain or stay stable or fixed. He is the only one who remains stable. We fluctuate. We are based on emotions and feelings, and we go high and low and sideways and stand on our head. But God is fixed. He is stable. He's stable. He doesn't get swayed. Hebrews 13, 8, Jesus Christ is what? The same yesterday, today, and forevermore. He's stable, always was, always will be. That's why we need to lean on him, our Savior, our Lord. Look at verse 13. Verse 13 says, For you will arise and have compassion. Compassion. What is compassion? It's the recognizing the suffering of others and doing something to help them. He wants to help each and every one of us walk through these times. But I think sometimes I'm just stubborn and I want to do it my way. Frank? Elvis? No, I'm just kidding. I want to do it my way. And he says, go ahead. You can try to do it your way, but you already know that's not going to work. That's why you're in the situation you're in. Because you didn't turn to God and cry out to him, God, help me. Hear my cry, O Lord. Look at verse 7. Um, but you will arise, verse 13 again, and have compassion on Zion or Jerusalem for this time to be gracious to her for the appointed time has come. The appointed time has come for us not to be looking so much into ourselves and looking to the heavens. We don't have a lot of time here, folks. 
We don't know the day or the hour that we're going home, nor do we know the day or the hour that he's coming back. So why do we burden ourselves with trying to fix ourselves and get the latest and greatest books on how to fix yourself, the, the do-it-yourselfer, right? It doesn't work when it comes to the relationship with God. God doesn't need your help. He wants you to cry out to him, Lord, help me. Help me be strong, Lord. Help me to pray. Help me to help others. Help me to fall on my knees and help me to minister the gospel and help me to be a good brother, sister, aunt, uncle, dog spot. Lord, help me be the things that are glorifying to you. Sure, it's quiet in here. <laughs> Verse 14 Surely your servants find pleasure in her stones and feel pity for her dust. So the nations will fear the name of the Lord and all the kings of the earth your glory. Verse 16 For he has built up Zion and he has appeared in his glory. He has regarded the prayer of the destitute and has not despised their prayer. He has regarded or considered the prayer of the destitute or the poor or the cast down and has not despised or hated or felt inconvenienced about their prayers. He welcomes your prayers. He welcomes you to cry out. He wants to help us. He wants to be our all in all. Look at verse 18. Then our, this will be written for the generations to come, that a people yet to be created may praise the Lord. That's for us. And that's not only for the past generations, that's for the generation of today and the generation of tomorrow because God will not change. It was written for the generations to come that a people yet be created may praise the Lord. I'm just wondering if we praise the Lord enough. You see, we cry out to him when we get desperate. But do we praise him when we're riding high? In verse 19, he says, for he looked down from his holy height. From the heaven, the Lord gazed upon the earth. He's watching. He's watching. He knows what we're doing. He knows the trouble that we get ourselves into. John, don't go that way. Ah, I'm going that way anyway. Think about Peter when he walked out on the water, kept his eyes right on Christ, right on Jesus the whole time. The second he took his eyes off, what happened? Down he went. Cried out. Jesus went, oh, dummy. Paraphrased. But he's right there when we fall. 
right there when we fall. He looked down and he gazed upon the earth. Verse 20, to hear the groaning of the prisoner, to set free those who were doomed to death. That is all of us. All of us to hear the groaning of the prisoner, to set free those who were doomed to death. Imprisoned is not always imprisoned like you would think. Although some of us have been there, that's not always what it means. We can be imprisoned in our mind. We can be imprisoned by other people who imprison us with their bad doctrine or their evil ways or misdirection. We can be imprisoned by those things. But I will say this. I am so grateful. I am so grateful, eternally grateful, that God hears the groanings of a prisoner. Just real brief, is that that's what God did for me. When I was in a jail cell, God came to me. Made a jailhouse confession, made a promise that if he would get me out of here, I would serve him all the days of my life. Hope to die drug addict. In jail for supposed to be a long, long time. But God intervened. I can remember being on that cell crying out, God, if you're real, if you are real, show me. And I'll promise you, that I will follow you all the days of my life. Sometimes, my brothers and sisters, it takes being thrown into a bad situation, let's just say, or the consequences of your behavior being coming to fruition before you can look up had no intentions of looking up until I got myself in dire straits. So my, my charge to you is don't give up on people. We have to have tough love, and I know there's some people struggling with different things and all that stuff, but do not give up. God is not too far, too small, that he can't reach down and grab you and hold on to you. And when he does... You take both hands and you hang on tight. You hang on for dear, dear life. Because what happens then is all the little minions, all the little henchmen start coming around and they get into your brain and say, oh, you can't really be that good. It's all a lie. You could eat that apple. You know what I'm saying? He plays games with you. But the one that changed you never changes. He's the one that holds the line, and you hold on to it like a zip line 
with, with all the might you have so you don't fall. 2 Corinthians 4, 17 and 18 say, for our light, <laughs> light affliction. And that's really what it is when you think about it. And in the scope of everything, the light affliction that we have is temporal. It says, which is but for a moment is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not. Which are not. Everything that, you know, everything that we are going through cannot compare to two things. One, the pain and suffering that Jesus went through for each and every one of us. And the other thing is that this light affliction does not compare, not even close, to the eternal glory in Christ Jesus. So you may be going through something, you may be feeling this way or feeling that way. First off, feelings come and go. I can feel good one minute and bad the next. I can feel happy and sad. Those things come and go. But the love of Christ is always stable. Jesus is always stable. I love Proverbs 23, 7. It's one of my favorite verses. Is, As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So is he. I can take the afflictions and I can run with them. I can take those things and I can beat myself up, which I'm pretty good at. I've been called out on it a few times, and I'm pretty good at it. Or I can embrace them, those afflictions, or these things that drive me crazy, or sideways. I can embrace them and use them for good. It's just like being in jail, and the Lord coming to you in the midst of my... It was absolutely... Jail is not a place to be, okay? I do not recommend that Hotel California... But it was necessary to get to the next step because my head was so hard. It was necessary. I had to go there so that I could look up. Afflictions are put in our life to do a couple things. They can either tear us down or they can build us up. They can make us weak or they can make us strong. I choose to be strong. I choose not to let these things drag me down. I understand that there's a lot of stuff going on. I get it. I get it. But if I live my life in fear, if I live my life under a rock, I'm not trusting in the Lord, and I'm not living my life. My, God didn't give me a life to live under a rock. He gave me a life to put that light on a light stand so that the whole world can see it. You get where I'm going? Does that, does that make any sense at all? I hope so. It's all part of our testimonies.
verse 21. That, here it is. That men may tell the name of the Lord in Zion and his praise in Jerusalem. Your testimony, your testimony, you testify of his name. And when, the, when peoples are gathered together in the kingdoms to serve the Lord. To serve the Lord. Verse 23. And he has weakened my strength in the way and he has shortened my days. I say, here it is again, right? I say, oh my God, do not take away, take me away in the midst of my days. Your years are throughout all generations. Crying out for a prolonged life. Lord, I know that I've gone the wrong way. Lord, I know that I've done things that can cut me off. But Lord, prolong my life. I give my life to you. I prolong it. Prolong it, Lord, so I can do the work of the ministry. Prolong my life, Lord, so that I can glorify you and everything that I say and everything that I do. Prolong my life, Lord, so I can become more of the image of you. I want my testimony to grow. If your testimony is not growing, there's something going on. It's like if you're not walking, you're standing, you're not moving, right? You're just... You're just lumbering or slumbering around. There's a realization of a life that is temporal compared to God's. The writer desires to prolong his life for the glory of God, the result of God's love and salvation. So once we come to him, our life is eternal now. Once, if you've accepted Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, you're really living in, the, in eternity. Yes, we're still here on this earth. We're still here, but we're not of here anymore. We're of the kingdom. We're kingdom-minded. We're heaven-bound. You know, when we pass now, it's the absence of the body is to be present with the Lord. I wanted to share something real quick with you about this afternoon we were doing a memorial service at a, one of the um, mortuaries in town. And it was very interesting. The, the person that passed away had an accident about a car, a severe car accident about 30 years ago, ended up with brain damage and really just had, he had to learn how to talk and walk and never really regain, um, had all of his faculties, but faculties back. But he still knew that he loved the Lord. He still knew that. He still prayed. And in the midst of this service, there was, there was some conflict in the family, like a lot of different families. But in the midst of this service and the honoring and the praising God and the calling out on God and the crying and the weeping and the mourning for this lost one, there was, there was something that happened that was magnificent. In fact, I think Pastor Michael had said that in all the services that he has done, he has never seen this before. There was bickering and animosity in the family. And what happened in that moment in time, even in that, that, that affliction, the passing of a loved one, the passing of a dad, the passing of an uncle, a passing of a, a cousin and a nephew, 
this passing, in the midst of that passing, in the midst of all the pain and sorrow and suffering, they, may, they all made a public confession to forgive each other and start afresh. So that's what God does when you cry out in prayer. You cry, Lord, help us. Do something magnificent. Do something marvelous, Lord, that it can only be attested to you. And that's what he did right there in that very moment. It was incredible. It was beautiful. A family tore apart, was united in the passing, in the passing of a loved one. Only God can do that. Because God is our creator. God is our creator. He's the one that we turn to. Look at verse 25. Of old you founded the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. He is our creator. That's who we turn to. Verse 26, even, even they will perish, but you endure. All of them will wear out like a garment, like clothing. You will change them, and they will be changed. A little bit of talk about the next, the next time, right? Be absent from the body. We're all going to be changed. In a what? A twinkle of an eye. Or if we pass, if he comes back, it's twinkle of an eye. If, he, if we pass, we're in the presence of the Lord. Sometimes we think of that as an affliction as, oh, that's so bad. I don't know if that's bad or not. I, I'm kind of thinking that to be present with the Lord would be kind of cool. It's not that I have a death wish or, or any of that stuff. But he gives us a hope because he's the one that created us. He's the one that made us. He's the one that formed us in our mother's womb. He's the one that has plans for us. He's the one that loves us in spite of our stupidity. In spite of the things that we do that, that just, he probably just scratches his head going, I just can't believe that guy did it again. I just can't believe that. But I love him anyway. And we have that hope of salvation. You know how much he loves you? You know how much he wants you to cry out to him? I think that he loves it when we cry out to him. I think he loves it because it's a recognition that we need his help. It shows our vulnerability, shows our weakness to be able to do things on our own. I need help. I need, Pastor Michael says I need a lot of help. And I think I would agree. I'm sure Pastor Mike back there would agree too. But that's okay because I trust and faith in God and I know that he's going to help. When I act stupid like I probably am now, he's just shaking his head. But that's our God. That's our God. Because he's eternal, we will also be eternal. Verse 26 and 27. They will perish, but you will endure. All will wear out like a garment, like clothing. These bodies will wear out, but he's going to change them. He's going to make them fresh and new. Verse 28. The children of your servants will continue and their descendants will be established before you. He ain't done. He ain't done. The children of your servants will continue, your offspring, and their descendants will be established before you. He's not done. That's why we have to be 
toe in the mark, if you will. That's why we have to be preaching the gospel. That's why we have to be sharing our testimonies and moving forward the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because it's not just for this generation, it's for the generation to come. If you don't train your kids up in, in the ways of the Lord, what do you expect? What do you expect them to do? I started early. I keep watching the clock because we started early. But I want to close with just a couple things. Prayer and calling out to the Lord is something that we all should be doing. I understand that we're in this body of flesh and we want to handle affliction in our own way. Most of the time, that's what we try to do. Remember, we already talked about. And then the question I asked earlier is, how does that work out for you? You know, if, we, if we're really open and honest, it probably hasn't worked out very well. Maybe temporary. Maybe it worked for a little while. But it hasn't stood the test of time. What have been your consequences for handling your way? Anger, bitterness, resentment, ulcers, high blood pressure, headaches, insanity, loss of friends, loss of family, migraine headaches, Maybe loss of your job, loss of your family, all these different things. Now is the time to turn it over to the Lord. Now is the time. I'm not talking about salvation. Salvation is another thing. I, I, as I look at it, I know most of you, and I believe that, I believe that you're saved. But if you're not, I, I would hope that you would consider that in your heart even as we get ready to close out. If you don't have that personal relationship... I pray that you would, or at least ask questions, want to know more. That's our hope, right? But are you, are you still holding on to these things? See, these things hinder our walk. When we start holding on to these things, we start building up anger and resentment, and we start going sideways on things. Our thinking is not clear. It even affects our health and our emotions and all these things and relationships with other people because we start changing and expecting different results and different things. So now it's time to turn it over to the Lord. Are you ready? Are you ready to surrender? Are you ready to surrender those things that are holding you back? I hope so. I mean, I don't know if you are or not. You have to do some self-examination inside of you. I mean, are you tired of living that way? Are you, are you tired of riding the fence? Are you, are you tired of, you know, I'm going to do it one day, and I'm going to do it. No, you've got to be all in. You have to push all your chips into the center of the pot. You have to be all in. You can't hold anyone back. Now is the time. In Matthew chapter 11, 28 to 30, it says this, Come to me. Come to me, all you who labor and have heavy burden. All those things that we talked about that this gentleman or this, whoever it was who wrote this said in verses 12 through whatever it was, all those things, any of those things resonate with you? Are, are you carrying those things? And, but he says, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. It's interesting that he says, learn from me. Have we learned anything? Or, or do we just push some things aside? For I am gentle and lowly in heart, 
and you will find rest. Oh my Lord, how many people need rest? I was thinking one of the verses says, I lie awake. One of the verses says, I lie awake. You lie awake at, awake at night going, just rehashing everything all day long? Do you need rest or do you need to be awake and hashing those things? Worrying about those things, stressing over those things. Let me ask this question. What does stressing or worry ever get you? Headache. Yeah. It says, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I'm going to land the plane right there, but I just hope that, I hope that you've heard something that maybe, maybe you need to work on. I know that when I was going through this, man, it was like hitting me like a, with arrows everywhere. Because I still have this tendency to hold on to things. But I want to let them go. I don't need burdens. I don't need extra affliction in my spirit and my soul on my body. I don't need the outcome of those things with the headaches and where I can't function and do my job right. I hope that's you and you recognize it and do something about it. Would you pray with me? Lord, as we come before you this evening, I just want to thank you, Lord. I thank you for this time. I thank you for this opportunity. I thank you for this psalm, Lord, and I pray that you would hear our cry, O Lord, as we cry out to you, Lord, in the times of distress. Lord, I also pray that we would praise you, praise you, Lord Jesus, in the middle of whatever's going on, Lord, knowing that you are faithful, you are stable, you are in control, you were the same yesterday, you are the same today, and you'll be the same tomorrow. So, Lord, I pray, Lord, that we would recognize those things, that we fall short, I pray, Lord, that we would surrender those over to you, to cast our burdens upon you because you care, your, your yoke is light. And Lord, we know that you can shoulder them. You shouldered them at the cross. And we're so grateful for that. I pray for those, Lord, tonight, Lord, who don't know you. If there's anyone here on the line on live streaming, they don't know you, Lord, they don't have that personal relationship, I pray that today would be their day of salvation, Lord. It's just something like, Lord Jesus, I recognize that I'm a sinner and I need help. Come into my life, Lord Jesus, and cleanse me up. I repent. I acknowledge you as Lord and Savior. It's just a little prayer like that, Lord, and then there's other things to do, but we'll talk more about that. But Lord, I ask that you would touch them by the power of your Holy Spirit, that you would fill them to overflowing, Lord. I pray for those in the congregation tonight, Lord, that are struggling with the different issues. I pray that today will be the day, Lord, that they would lay them at your feet, not to pick them up again, Lord. I pray that they would have rest and a greater relationship with you. And so, Lord, we love you. We love you, Lord. We're so grateful that you've given us this place, this beautiful place to come and worship you in spirit and in truth. Lord, as we close this out with worship, Lord, I pray, Lord, that you would be glorified, that it would be like a sweet-smelling aroma to your ears, to your nostrils, Lord. So, Lord, be with us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.